0: We're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Take your seats. Sit down. Let's get into the Word. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. All right, let's get into the Word. I know this month was slated to be the month where we focus on the healing gifts of God and um, the healing ministry. But um, during the week while I was preparing for today's service... I, I sensed that the Lord would have us go. The Lord would have me talk about something that has, up until now, been a source of concern for many of you. Or let me say, it's the solution for what concerns a lot of you. Um, the Lord put it on my heart. And um, I'll just go that route this morning. I hope that's okay. I believe strongly and not just that I believe in this local assembly, we don't teach just to complete a sermon series. Okay, so we are doing healing this month. It must be healing. You know, the Lord has the freedom to redirect our sermon emphasis whenever he chooses. Hallelujah. But this doesn't mean that In the middle of the sermon, healings can't happen. Amen. Amen. Healings don't happen because healing was taught. Healings happen because we are children of God. That woman said, um, healing is the children's bread. You understand? It's the food the kids should eat. The kids are entitled to being healed. Hallelujah. God is a good father. He does not withhold any good thing from his children. And so if healing is children's bread, then he won't withhold healing from you. Are you following? Uh, so that's, that's, so although we might not take time to, as it were, teach on healing this morning, the healings will happen. Say amen. Yeah. Say loud amen. 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 All right. So while preparing my sermon notes, I was thinking of the best way to start the sermon. and. And I think this is it. If someone were to ask you right now, what do you value the most in your life? What would your response be? If someone were to ask you right now, what do you value the most in your life? What would your response be? I know the Christian thing for us to say would be Christ and the work of Christ. I value the gospel and God's church. My purpose is to know Christ and to make him known, right? Answer me, right? Yes, sir. And, that, and so that's what we would most likely say. But then the same person then goes ahead and says, all right, I know that you value Christ and you value the work of Christ, but I want you to shift your values for a minute. And I want you to move your focus from Christ to your career your business, your relationship, your marriage, what else do people like? Money, food. Move your value from Christ as you have claimed a bit for one minute and move it to these other things that I've listed. Would there be any changes in your lifestyle? Do you understand my question? If I say Christ is my major value. And then somebody says, just for a minute, just walk with me. Assume Christ wasn't your major value, and your major value was money and career and family, success. Now that you have shifted your value to these other things, you're assuming with me, would there be any major changes in the way you live your life? You see, if the answer to that question is no, That is, I think that Christ is my major value, but if I indeed for a moment shift my values to all these other things, there won't be any real change in the way my life is lived day to day. Then we must tell ourselves the honest truth. Christ was never your real value. Does that make sense? Christ was never the real object of your value. You valued all those other things above Christ Jesus. In John chapter 6, Jesus met the Jews and he fed them. I think that was the 5,000. The instance where he fed, on 5,000. Five loaves and two fish. And he fed 5,000 men. And when he finished feeding these 5,000 people, the Bible says they sought to make him king. He carried him. and said, we want to enthrone you. And Jesus says, You don't seek to enthrone me because of the miracles you've seen. You seek to enthrone me because I gave you bread. When will you stop seeking Jesus for the bread that he gives and seeking for the bread of life that he really is? You see, Jesus fed with bread. Not so you call him the bread giver. He fed with bread so that Your attention will leave the bread for a minute and you can focus on him. So Jesus doesn't meet your needs because, well, that's what he's in your life for. He meets your needs so that the needs will not be a distraction. The problem is this. Jesus meets a need. We run off of need met until the next need. And so we have people who say things like, if God cannot meet my needs, then what's the point of serving him? There has to be in your life a value system that prioritizes God and prioritizes Jesus. It just has to be that way. And the reason why the Lord asked me to talk about this is this there is a general frustration especially if you live in nigeria there's a general frustration that you feel because you live in an economy that doesn't really work and so you left school 4 years ago and you thought to yourself when you left school you didn't ask for much you were not praying for much you didn't ask god to give you a job that pays 10 million or 1 million or even 500,000 just 150 to 200 is fine right And then you hustled for that job one year. You finally got the job. But when you got the job, inflation rose by 100%. So what used to be 150K, what um, 150K could do now, 150 will only do about 75K worth of things. And so you now realize I have my prayers answered. But like the prayers were not answered. Is that true? And so now we start hustling for the next big score, 350. That's usually it is from 150, 200 to 350. Let me not be greedy. God, I'm not asking for much. If you just give me, if I just see like a salary that gives me 350, I know what I would do if 350 enters my account every month. So now you get a job that pays you 350. God answers that prayer. But then again, inflation rises again. And so we are in this consistent loop of lack. Not lack, but need. And so many people just get frustrated. Or maybe your case was you left school and you thought it would be all roses. Finished with a 2 1, you did well in school. Then you came out of school and you've not been able to land a job. Now, funny story God has been taking care of you. All. You don't really lack like that. Even you, you know. And you don't really lack. In fact, you are doing better than some of your friends that have jobs. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're doing better than some of your friends that have jobs. But you're just there frustrated. All my friends have jobs. Why don't I have a job? Why don't I have a job? And then we begin to get sidelined by money. And so many of us are quickly entering into depression. Not just because the society is depressing, because believe me, brothers and sisters, it is. Not just because the society is depressing, but because we've taken on a value system that keeps us perpetually under. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you something Jesus said. Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. Buhari wasn't president then. So Jesus' statements were true even when, like, he knew what society would look like 2,000 years ago. Your life does not consist in the abundance of things you own. Do you hear me? Say it after me, my life does not consist in the abundance of things that I own. You know what, just for reference, Luke twelve fifteen. 15. Luke 12:15 Everybody read together Want to go, and he said unto them, "Take heed and beware of what? Beware of what. Listen. Many of us we treat the Ten Commandments like, "We treat you, how many of you, you raise your hand if you know what Danish cookies is, the product. Now, if you are like me, you open the Danish cookies thing, a container. And if you didn't see needle and thread inside, it's actually Danish cookies that you saw inside. We have preferences. right? If you are like me, you prefer the ones that have sugar sprinkled on top of it. So you just pick those ones. And then the remaining, you close it and give it to your younger ones. I bought biscuits for you. Yeah. That's the way we treat the Ten Commandments. We pick the ones that we like. And the ones that we want to judge others based on. And then we throw away the others. Because the Bible says in the Ten Commandments that we should not covet. Is that correct? But nobody ever can say, ah, they coveting. Why are you coveting? No. Like thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. The big three. Then thou shalt, thou shalt not fornicate. Now add it. Number four. Right? Ah, you are lying. Don't you, the Bible says thou shalt not lie. It also says, beware of covetousness. Listen, let me teach you something. If you are not intentional about covetousness, it will ruin your life. It will ruin your life. The problem is, the picture you have of covetousness is, so somebody buys a car, but you you have your own car, you now look at the car, that car is finer than your own. And the person will not be like, hi, I wish I had that. That's the picture we have of covetousness. But covetousness is not just on material things. Covetousness can have to do with position. You understand? Now, here's another subtle thing about covetousness. Covetousness does not not work with the rules of logic. So, for instance, you have somebody who left school last year and then another person that left school six years ago. Right? And then the person who left school six years ago has advanced in their lives, they've bought a car, but because they're friends with this one that left school last year, this one that left school last year, will now be wondering why their lives are not where the six-year-old graduate's life is. Many of you say, ah, that doesn't make sense, but that's your case. You keep comparing yourselves to people who should be where they are, and you are where you are meant to be. And so, we fall for the prey of covetousness you know another thing about covetousness? Another thing about covetousness is that it doesn't need another person for it to work. You can be covetous within yourself. Do you know? So, when you begin to identify and define yourself by your position or possession, you are covetous and you don't know it. You don't know it. Look at his statement. He says, beware of covetousness. What's the punctuation mark after? he's explaining the covetousness he's warning you for a man's life does not consist um a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things which he possesses so the covetousness jesus is talking about here is a mindset that defines a man's life by what he owns is that what you're looking at good must, of a necessity have a better value system. You must. You must. And you must be intentional about things like this. It plays out, on a, on a lighter note, it plays out in your everyday life. It plays out in your everyday life. People who you think you can't talk to because their position is higher than your own. You are doing better in life than you are doing. Very dangerous to be like that. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? So, why, instead of having a predisposition that says, God is good to me because of all the things that I have, Why don't we start with God is good to me because of Jesus Christ. Let's start from there. Like he sent his son to die. That's never going, It's never going to change. So I may not have all the things that I think that I need. But I have the one thing that I never knew that I needed, but I actually need. Let that be your primary position. Your judgment of God must never be based on the circumstances around you. You know how unnecessary. Listen, we don't think about eternity. Many of us don't. We don't put our minds on eternity. There is such a thing as the afterlife. There is such a thing as eternity. So we'll think about it like this. You will live in this world. You know, let me let me ask. When do you want to die? At what age, sir? 110, 130. Oh, 113, th- one 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 113, I love it, Sir, when do you want to die, sir? 90 is fine. You are like me. What am I still doing here? Like, I respect that, but I don't want to be 110 years old. When do you want to die, sister? 120. I saw it. I saw it. Now, 120 seems like a long time. What is 120 times 10? was 1200 times 10 was 12000 times 10 was 120000 times 10 there's nobody that has lived 1.2 million years now do you know that 1.2 million years that's um 120 raised to the power of 4 if i'm correct is not up to a—it's not up to a fra- it's not up to a second in light of eternity do you know so if 120 not 120 120, 120 2 million. So think of how tiny 120 years really is in the scope of eternity. Now imagine because God exists throughout eternity and we will too. We will. So just imagine that you now finally get to heaven and you get to spend the rest of eternity with God and then you realize that while you were on earth, you were unfair to this person based on Three years of terrible time. Maybe you just had a series of unfortunate events, six months. Not 120 now, six months. You now come out and say, God is not kind. God is not fair to me. Six months. The problem is this. Many of us, we don't look at life um, through the scope of eternity. We focus on where we are right now and what's happening right now. And we don't realize that there is a tomorrow and a next tomorrow and 10 years from now. And one, thing I, one question I would always ask is, raise your hand if you've ever been through a bad time. And in the, in the moment you felt like God hated you. But just further down, just not too far, you appreciated the period that you went through. Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. When you were going through it, you could swear that God was the worst father ever. How can he call himself a good father and this is happening to me? Because we evaluate our position not based on God's own view and the future, but based on how it makes us feel. We need to correct our value systems. And the devil knows this thing well. There is a principle, and it is both a physical one and a spiritual one. Focus creates blindness. That's it. Focus creates blindness. Let me say how Jesus said it. The eyes are the windows to the soul. If your eyes be single, your whole body will be full of light. Focus creates blindness. What you focus on will blind your attention to other things. Have you ever been so focused on a series, you didn't notice somebody walk into the room? Has ever happened? You're watching something on your phone, that very tiny screen, and you're just focused like this. And somebody comes beside you, what are you watching? And they're like, you scared me. Is that correct? Yeah, focus creates blindness. The devil knows this, so he will get you to focus on your misfortune or apparent misfortune. Because sometimes, what is a misfortune? is not really, ah, yes. One of my favorite portions of scripture is Psalm 23. Lord is my my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, Psalm 23 is a very, very good representation of the walk of the believer here on earth. You see, there will be times when it feels like you're lying down in green pastures. He's leading you beside still waters. I mean, everything feels nice and rosy. But when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you must not fear any evil. Because you remember that he led you through still waters. He won't leave your hands now. So for thou art with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the next thing is, he prepares a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, the enemies will still be there. And the enemies won't be quiet while the table is being prepared. Do you hear me? They will try to stop the preparation of the table. Some of them will make mouths. They will shout. They will say things to you. So now imagine. Just, just imagine for a second. God is preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And the, the, the enemies are shouting. And then God is busy working the table. And then you're there saying, God, you're not very kind to me. Because if you are kind to me, you will stop these people from shouting at me. What we don't realize is that the table is better than the, the, than the words that they are speaking. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the devil knows. So the devil will keep your eyes focused on the words they are speaking. He will come into your life and notice you've been fasting for 40 days and you are hungry. What you got from the 40 days fasting, he won't draw your attention to that. You may have ascended to realms of spiritual growth and you never imagined. No, he will focus, you draw your focus to your hunger. If you are truly the son of God, turn this stone to bread. And in that moment, all you will be able to think about is I'm hungry. That's where many of us are now. You hear me? That's where many of us are. Because if you will pause for a second and objectively evaluate what you are calling a terrible time. You know when people say, I'm going through a lot. If you will objectively evaluate what you are calling a lot, you will see God's hand in the a lot you're talking about. And you will appreciate it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What we must never do. Don't let. uh, I was listening to a man of God. I attended a meeting. This man of God was teaching. And he said that the devil has a way of giving us ideas that are not very true. So he will make you think that this is the one thing you need to solve all your problems. And many of you think that money is what you need to solve all your problems. Make no mistakes. Money is good. is very good. But money cannot solve all your problems. In fact, there's a prophet that said, more money, more problems. It's The prophet of God. It's true. Money cannot solve all your problems. Maybe you won't take it from me. Take it from uh, King Solomon. (laughs) Right? The guy was rich. But Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Next verse. Vanity of what? I am not reading. Vanity of what? Says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is what? Vanity. So, we've, we've mistaken the word vanity to mean, oh, you're vain. No, that's not what it means. Vanity means... um. It's like mist, mist. You can't hold on to it. It's not tangible. It's there one minute, and the next minute is gone. That's what Solomon was saying here. He wasn't saying that, ah, everything is vain, just focus on Jesus. No, Solomon, the richest man who has ever lived, was telling us that even money, one second is there, the next second it has disappeared. Next verse. He says, what profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Can you give this in a more recent translation? Anyone will work. Just something that is not KGV. All right. He says, what does a man gain? Read together. Everybody wants to go. What does a man gain for all his efforts he labors at under the sun? If it was a poor man that was saying this, you will say, he has not seen money. If you touch money, you, know, you will touch money and your life will change. Well, this guy, in the history of touching money, is the one that has touched the money, the way money must be touched. This guy. And he came out with one conclusion. What will a man gain for all his efforts under the sun? There's no true gain. Nothing. Let me show you another one he said. Um, Proverbs 23 um, 23, verse 4. This proverb was also a writing of King Solomon. So it was a consistent thought that Solomon had. Look at this. He says, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Read the next line, everybody. Some people did not read. Read the next line, everybody. I can't hear your voices. Read the next line, everybody. Verse 5, and here's why. As soon as your eyes fly to it, it does what? It uh, says, as soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears. For it makes wings for itself. What is he talking about? What is the eat? What's the eat? It? Uh-huh. it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle. Eagles are really fast. Now imagine if your entire life is spent in pursuit of this thing. Just imagine. Something and this is the interesting thing. He says as soon as your eyes are turned to it, it will disappear. So you are chasing a shadow that you can never catch. Imagine if this is what you've used to define yourself. As soon as your eyes are turned to it, it will disappear. You will consistently chase a shadow that you can't catch. You will do things. You will berate anyone. You will lose friends. Lose your relationship with God. You will lose important things in your life for something you cannot catch. Let your value system be shaped correctly. There are things in your life that you must never, you must never, at any point in time, make them secondary. Never, never. You see, your prayer life—it must never be relegated for the sake of money. Why didn't you pray? You say, I've been busy, my job. It does not. Let, you don't get it. You are chasing something that you can't catch. You are chasing something that you can't. Do you know anything about that job that you are dying for? The day you finally die, they will replace you. I had a friend. He worked for one of these banks. And he just—we were talking about him yesterday. He just—he gave it his best. He was always working, always moving. Or he collapsed one day and died. And when he collapsed and died, they didn't announce it in the bank. They just removed his name from the system. Spend their entire lives chasing after. Listen, money is good. Have it. Do your best. But make sure that it doesn't have your attention. Make sure it doesn't give you a definition of who you are. Make sure that when I'm up financially and when I'm down financially, my esteem does not shift. Do you hear me? uh uh-huh. Jesus was speaking. He said, do not lay your treasures in this earth where moths can damage them and rust can happen to them. Listen, there is one major thing about financial wealth that the Bible teaches that we don't hear in many places. And this is it. It is fleeting. It disappears. One major thing about money and material possessions. They are good to have but it's terrible when they have you. They are fleeting. They disappear. Jesus said moth will eat it. The only thing about moths, they look small. They don't look like they can do much damage, but they can do so much damage. How many of you have read anything about locusts? Raise your hand. So, locust infestations are terrible because a swarm of locusts can go through a farm a proper rice plantation, and clear the farm. Like, I'm not joking. Clear it. They are so small. A full-grown locust is not bigger than this. They look like grasshoppers. Very tiny. Clear the farm. That's the way money is. Something that doesn't look like it should take all your money, it will just enter your life. And you, you just notice you're pumping money, so was it? You keep pumping money, and then one day you don't have money again. That's why people run mad. It's true. My dad was telling me about the stock exchange crash of 2000 or 2002. 2000 and what? 2008. Thank you. My dad had worked in one of the big companies in Nigeria. He had amassed a lot of wealth. He had shares in some banks. Serious money. I'm not talking one million, no. Serious money in some of these banks. I think one of them was Savannah Bank. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Savannah Bank. Raise your hand if you've never heard of Savannah Bank. All right, so those of us that raised our hands first, you start calling us uncles and aunties now because we are not your mates. We are not your mates. (laughs) I'm just joking. Well, he had shares in what was called Savannah Bank. He woke up one morning and Savannah Bank had folded. He didn't acquire it too. He just folded and the millions of naira he had in that bank. Who will you hold? The bank afford? What are you going to hold? Well, think about it. The truth is this. That's how a lot of people lose money. And my dad was telling me of some of his friends that went mad. In that season, they went mad. The stock exchange crashed. They ran mad. Because you have 20 million naira in one bank oh 30 million naira in one bank and you wake up in the morning and your 30 million has reduced. it has gone from 30 million to zero it's not even like crypto that okay i put 100k it's now 5k Mm-mm, it's zero there's nothing there's nothing to withdraw you can there's no dip it's not the dip it has fallen it's not coming back up was, many people ran that. and many believers are like that you lose 5000 naira you lose 10000 naira sorry you lose 10000 naira and for the rest of the week, your your mood has changed. You have become a foul spirit. You have, you have, for the rest of the week, what happened? This person scammed me. Come on. You see, believers lose their training as believers because somebody on Instagram you give them money to buy a shoe, they did not give you the shoe. You now come online. You start calling the person names. Start doing things. You are a believer. Come on now. And that's even on the lighter side of the spectrum, because one of these uh, secular prophets wrote there was a song that hey, Pastor David, as David. I'm sorry. It's not like Pastor David usually knows. Why are you people laughing? No, I'm asking him because we've talked about this before. I think the guy was saying something about if God does not give him money, he will do money ritual. He will do blood money. He said if God, he's a Christian. No? If God does not. So, who is really his God? The God that is to give him the money or the money he's looking for? And for this reason, many are depressed. Many are held under the bondage of Satan. Because he knows what they are looking for. And he knows you will never get it. The devil can't give it to you. Do you know? Even the devil can't give it to you. There is a reason why the richest people of the world are still looking for more money. Praise the Lord. What are your goals in life? I want to be rich. I want to be so rich. There's no definition. That's the truth. There's no definition. And let me tell you something else. You will never at any point in your life think you are rich enough. Here is proof. Your current situation. You are doing better than you were doing two years ago. You don't feel like it. Do you feel like it? You don't feel like it. You are doing better than you are doing. Some people you are doing better than you were doing six months ago. Ah, but you don't feel like it. You still feel like this money thing, I must touch it. I must touch it. We never at any point stop and say, ah, I should stop chasing after money. I'm rich enough. Never happens. So before it starts, stop it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, I have a whole teaching on healing to do. The Lord asked me to teach in this direction. And the reason why he asked me to teach in this direction is many of you need to hear this thing. This is the healing you need. This one this is the healing you need. This is the healing you need. Let your eyes be focused on Jesus. Jesus. Look for new ways to fall in love with him. Look for new ways. Tame your appetites. Tame them. Especially the love of money. When the devil hooks a man on the love of money, he probably hasn't booked every other place. A person who loves money is not very far from committing murder. It's what many people don't realize. When you love money so much so you can do anything for it, one day, one of those things will be to commit murder. And it will make sense. You would rationalize it. You would rationalize it. I saw, what am I even saying? There's kids. Um, people randomly ask people on the road, would you kill your father for 10 million naira? And they say, ah, what has my father done for me? Have you seen those kids before? What has my father done for me? We, see, I will kill him for two million. If you drop two million now, we'll go to the house. It's true. It might sound like a joke, but this is the way most people think. Most people, most, most of us will say, I'll never kill anybody. But how about how you treat your friends when money is concerned? In the office, the people you throw under the bus because of money. About your plans. There's this huge deal coming, and you found a way to rob your friends, or oh, you're a business person. You know that this job will cost X, Y, Z. Then you mark it up by two million naira. Yeah, it's business now. It's profits. We're marking it up. There's a line there. Eh? And once you pass that line, it's no longer markup. You're a thief. That's what you are. You're a thief. You're not marking anything up again. You are stealing. It's true. As a general principle, 2X is fine. 2X is fine. I bought it 10,000 Naira. Total cost price, 15,000 Naira. I'm selling it for 30. 2X is fine. But total cost price, 15,000 Naira. I'm selling it for 300K. Like, yeah. People, are you laughing? People do it. But people do it. Like why are we shouting? People do it. Most of the weeks you buy online, how much do you think you, they buy them? How much do you think they buy them? People do it. I'm a businessman, so I know people do it. (laughs) Christians, Christians do it. But not you. Say amen. 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 Don't Don't let money have that kind of grip on your heart. It's very dangerous. You hear me? The spiral is a rabbit hole and you can't come out of it. And it's not just money, your appetites, tame them. Let your heart truly long for Jesus. Listen, if God has blessed you with the gift of time, use it well. So you are in a season, you probably don't have a 95 job or you work from home, which means you have some time to yourself. Use your time well spend time praying when was the last time you took out time to retreat nobody asked you to you just got a leading from God that ah, I should retreat in this season and you did when was the last time that happened when was the last time you, you just said you know what this week I'm fasting and I'm praying the church isn't fasting when well, nobody instructed this I just I want to spend some time loving God when was the last time you did that the truth is this many of us have our hearts hardened against God and we don't know it and it's in the little things think of it like a marriage or a relationship every time you say no it becomes easier to say no the next time you understand every time you you are unfair to your partner it becomes easier to be unfair the next time so now you're casting your mind back to secondary school or university where you just found God and how you loved him with your whole heart. And then, you I, mean you I mean, you were so in love, you used to enjoy prayer time. It was still discipline, but you used to enjoy the prayer time at least. When you finally discipline yourself to pray, you enjoy it. But now, you can't even find it in your heart to pray. You can't discipline yourself to pray. You don't worship anymore. Then you could spend hours just singing to the Lord. Now, none of that. Then you could read your Bible, but now none of that. Then you were serving in church. Now none of that. And you can trace it back to a period when you unconsciously made those decisions. Listen, whether you make the decisions consciously or unconsciously, the consequences of the decisions will come and meet you. Yes or no? Like it doesn't ever so happen that I fall off a building by accident and as I'm falling in gravity when I say, wait. Was it deliberate? It was an accident. Or you are softened the ground for him now. you save. It was an accident. It doesn't happen. If I fall off accidentally, I'm gonna die. So accidentally you 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 got to a period in your life. You finished NYSC. The future is bright. Also you thought. The future <laughs> your future is bright in jesus name but the future is bright and then you come out and then buharis economy does what it does to people to you right and you finally get a job opportunity and then you have two options either i work this job that pays me 100k or i take this other one that pays me 250 but this one that pays me 250 they're going to have my monday morning to monday morning there's no mean i can't breathe Once you be is that what we are paying you to do? And then you you now say "Ah, the money is the money is much. So you take this other one. And you think you are a smart guy. But you are not. Because the other things that drive your life, you abandon them to take the money. Here's the interesting thing. Three months into the job, start saying, I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's like they are choking. How don't you feel choked? You know they pray. There's no prayer time in your life. You don't study. When was the last time you went to church? Before. Church used to be your grounding moment. It doesn't matter how terrible your week went. When you come to church, you lift your hands in worship. You pray with your brothers and sisters. Ah, breath of fresh air. But no, 250K. So now, now you haven't gone to church in three months. Every time they ask you, brother, we didn't see you in church. Why? You say, ha. Ah. Is this walk work I'm walking if you I really want to come is that you don't want to come, come you don't want to come it's true when was the last time you hung out with friends you can't do that again just now I'm even saying like the other things your your friends your normal friends normally once every month you guys go and watch a movie together but you just hang out. But now when they call you is it that like you go to the hangout with your laptop and you're working Everybody's hanging out here walking. working. I have some deliverables I have to submit. Please, in the name of Jesus, let us prioritize things. Let us know what let us know what counts. Do you hear me? And I'm not oh. saying this under the assumption that life is easy. It's not. But this is what the devil knows that you don't know. Some decisions may look like the best routes now. They will end up making your life harder. It's true. Many of you are working jobs you wish you never took. Am I lying? You're working jobs you wish. Because now you are thinking that when when I didn't have a job, my life was better. It was better in this job and so I'm earning small money but I have some health complications that this job has given to me that this money that I'm earning I'm spending all of it fixing the health complications and the devil is there like yes mission accomplished but when it was time to get the job you prayed and God said don't take it you say, ah, every spirit of stagnation I will bind you Praise the Lord. Listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving you, I'm not talking as though life was easy. But Jesus knew what he was saying when he, says, when he said, do not lay up your treasure in this world where moths can eat it and rust can happen to it. He says, lay up your treasure in heaven. He says, because where the heart is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So we find a principle That your attention will drag your value system. Or let me say that in another way. Your attention will drag your affection. Do you hear me? Your attention will drag your affection. So what I've chosen to pay the most attention on is the thing I will love the most. It's true. The funny thing is, Many of us are so careless with our attention. We pay attention without knowing it. We give attention to things without realizing what we are doing. But ask yourself, what has been the one thing that has directed my decisions for the last how many months? That's the thing you're giving attention to. And you don't know it. For some people, it's relationship, I'm dating this guy... He's a cool guy. He loves me. But he's not really spiritual. He doesn't really like all this God stuff. So, I don't like bringing up God when we talk. Sister in Christ, you're in trouble, though. You're in trouble. I like bringing up God when he talks. And then soon, he'll not start mocking you for, this church, why are you always in church? It's true, Sha. I feel like my time in church is beginning to affect the time I spend with him you love him, and it's commendable. What you don't realize is that that attention has dragged your affection to somewhere else. Do you hear me? Yes, ah, it has, it has. You're a Christian, Christian brother. They're saying things in your dormitory or in your house, you have housemates, that are not gospel, they're not, they not, in fact, they're insulting God. Let's put it like that. You're a Christian brother. You can't open your mouth and say, don't, mm-mm, mm-mm, and give a defense for your faith. No, you just keep quiet. And then when you keep quiet, you say, why did you keep quiet? You say, ah, I, I didn't want to come off as weird. I'm not offensive. I'm not the one that started Christianity. And I believe very strongly that God, God works in mysterious ways. He has, do you know people only use that statement eh, when they have a way that they expect God to walk in? You know that, right? So there's a way God works. God works in mysterious ways. that I might talk to them now and it won't do anything, but just one movie they will watch to change their lives. But God, it's your duty to talk to them. But you are paying so much attention to social standing and validation. You see, in this generation, you see that that last part. It harms more people than anything else. It's the reason why people share their everyday life on social media. We used to have secrets before, right? No longer. Such things are outlawed, secrets, for we know. We have close friends lists. We have Twitter circle. I mean, there's a way to, even if you want to keep secrets, keep it in the public. But The close friends can take screenshots oh, or screen recording of what you are saying. And you know, another funny thing. Many of the people on your, especially Twitter circle, many of the people in your Twitter circle, in real life, you don't feel that close to them. You just feel like they're my guys. Let me just populate my social standing and validation. Listen, we must have a value system that transcends all of these things. That's the the teaching today. You must have a value system that transcends social status, that transcends people's validation. Jesus is king, whether you like it or not. Do you understand? I'm not going to stop saying it because it makes you uncomfortable. If it makes you uncomfortable, give your life to Christ. When you give your life to Christ, you become super comfortable with it. Should be the discomfort was the problem. Give your life to Christ. But I'm not going to stop talking. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's not just on Jesus' issues of where the Bible is loud, I will be loud. Can we make those decisions? So, it's not just social validation. My life, my life is not... I'm not great when I have money and less when I don't. Because Paul says, I've learned how to abase and abound. What does it mean to abase? To be hungry, to not have, to be in lack. So, anybody that teaches you that if you are in Christianity or if you are in God or if you are in Christ, there will never be a season of lack in your life. I'd lie to you, if Paul, the apostle that wrote 2 thirds of the New Testament, can say, I know how to abase and abound, you'll not say, ah, he was not speaking out of faith. He was doing negative confession. So, there will be seasons of lack sometimes those seasons of lack will last longer than you thought they would. It's true. Life happens. Of course, I've balanced this out for you so many times. That life is happening does not mean you shouldn't pray against it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pray seriously. Stay against it. Stand against it. But even in the midst of some of your prayers, it will look like the answer is taking time to come. You keep praying, you keep believing, and whilst you are at it, don't let that season change how you see yourself. Some of us have friends. You know when they have money, just the way they talk, the way they behave. Let your value system keep your focus on Christ. Let it be that the object that blinds you from everything else is Christ. Do you hear me? Not money, Christ. Not um, social standing, Christ. That I have coconut head, I will follow Christ till I die. Let all the devils of hell know that ah, as far as this person knows, He's a Jesus boy. A, she's a Jesus girl. The world cannot bully her into saying something different. You cannot cancel the person on social media and the person will not start saying something. Mm-mm. Jesus baby. If you people don't like my presence on social media, give your life to Christ. If it gets too much, I will leave the social media for you. Praise the Lord. And I know I'm saying social media, but everywhere you interact with people, there is a training we must give ourselves. And I wrap. Up, I'm ending with this because time is gone. There is a training we must give ourselves, and that training is the readiness to forgo anything for the sake of Christ. It's a difficult one, but train yourself that way. The readiness to forgo anything. For the sake of Christ. And and the truth is, you don't develop that readiness in the situation that requires foregoing. You you train your mind before those type of situations come. Do you hear what I'm saying? Ah, yes. So, for instance, you can start telling yourself that I love this job so much, but if it will ever affect my relationship with God or my stance on the gospel, I'm going to leave it. It pays well, it pays great, but I'm going to leave it. And now, let me now say another part, because Nollywood movies have done a, a very big danger to us. Some of us now think that if I leave it, the moment I just step out like this, someone now drive in front of me, say, You're, you are... Ah, okay. I have a job waiting for you. It's time 10, what they were paying you before. I a testimony. No, the testimony is in your readiness to forego the job. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like we must have, I taught you this about faith. We must have this this readiness to stand for Jesus, regardless of the outcome. So, oh king, live forever. Our God is able to deliver us from the fairy furnace, but guess what? If he doesn't, if it so happens that we enter this fairy furnace, and it burns up our flesh, and we turn to suya, we will still not bow before you, dear king. A readiness to forego things for the gospel, for Christ. The Holy Spirit trains you in this thing every day. A readiness to forego your um, justification. I was right for the sake of the gospel. Let me just leave it. See this one? Many people are ready to leave their job, but this one, that I was right, you were wrong. I will now let you go. Ah, no, it's not bad. Uh, you must apologize. It's like you don't know me. We will sleep. The Holy Spirit trains us on that thing every day. On Twitter, they will tell you something. You are about to type. This will make you cancel it. Then you type it another way. He will tell you cancel it. You will type it in ten different ways. He will tell you cancel it. You say, so what should I say? Say nothing. You know, say ah. Please don't be angry, sir. But I'm not a fool now. Like <laughs> but you must at every time be ready to forego things for the sake of Christ Jesus. Did you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Be ready to forego money for the sake of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Stop tightening the thing to your chest. It will still go. It will still disappear. Have savings, have investments, it will still disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have savings. I have investments. Do you know the worst thing about saving the naira? So um, let me let me tell you something that happened to us as a church. In January, we wanted to buy a pair of speakers. The pair cost 1.3 million. So we said, "Ah, okay." We'll just put some money down together towards camp meeting time. We'll just make a bulk purchase of all the sound equipment that we need, you know, towards campfire. So tell me why in February, the pair of speakers that was costing 1.3 million was now 2.6. As I was speaking, it's like 3.5. Yes, there, yes, yes, three point speaker. Speaker 3.5 million. Yeah. So you are there saving, saving, saving. When you are now finally ready to buy what you are saving, you now realize that the price has doubled. You now start saving again. Don't tie its money to your chest. It will frustrate you. I'm telling you, it will frustrate you. When we found out that the speakers, we're more expensive. We said we have money that we have saved. There are other things that need to be bought in church. Let's buy them. When God gives us money for speaker, we'll buy it. cannot kill ourselves. Shabby, you can hear me. You can hear me very clearly. Aha, uh-huh, you can't kill me. I can't kill you. But, but honestly, listen, I have found that the best way to put money in its place here is to have as it were. It has happened. It has happened. That attitude. That's the best way to put money in this place. Some people, something will happen for the next you, three weeks later. You sit up your friend and oh, that's him pay me. And they will know immediately what you're talking about. Say that money. Mm-hmm. He say yes. He pay me. At some point, they are tired of you. Okay, it has passed. I cannot pass. so oh, a whole ten thousand. Do you know how much ten thousand naira? in this buari economy? And the thing is, I heard a story of a conductor that they arrested. They arrested the man because he killed someone over change. Guess how much the change was? Thank you. 15 hour change. Now, there's a way some people will say that Poco, you're talking from privilege. To some people, that 15 hour is a lot of money. Fifteen naira is not a lot of money to anybody in Nigeria. Do you understand? Nobody. Fifteen naira, nobody is not a lot of money to anybody. Even beggars on the streets, fifteen naira is not a lot of money. To, it's just money. It's just you cannot buy bottled water again. What can you have to actually buy apart from sweets and maybe biscuits and sachet water too? When I was young, there was a time you could buy two p water for five naira. Is 15 hey Jesus Christ. This man killed somebody else over 15 era. So he didn't kill that guy because ah I need this money to send my children to school. He doesn't need the fifteen naira to send these kids to. He killed the guy for two reasons. Number one, money had a grip on his heart. And number two, pride. How can you scam me? Do you know who I am? It means streets. And he didn't mean to kill the guy. That's another thing. Just punched the guy. The guy collapsed. That was it. You have bought Wahala. So some of, some of the disputes that you get so physical about, ask yourself, if, if I touch this person now, and they fall on the floor. Will it have been worth it? Will it have been worth it? Do you know another funny thing I've observed in Nigeria? Somebody is owing you twenty thousand naira. You are not threatening to take legal action.
1: It's like you don't know how much lawyer is.
0: Funny story, some people now actually go ahead and take legal action in For 20k. So because I want to collect 20k from you, I'm not spending like 400,000 on court case. Because when you're taking legal action, you will file it in the police station first. If you've dealt with police people, just so that as you're entering inside, you're dropping money. You're going to drop some money. So you file it to the police people. They're the ones that will now take it to court. So now they've taken it to court. If you want to expedite it so that they will treat your case quickly... You dro- How much did you cost? 100K. That's actually the amount. You drop about 100K. So that they will expedite your case. It's not that you're going to win the case. You're not sure. <laughs> it's just so they will expedite your case. So you don't rush it. Then you pay the lawyer his fees. And then as you're paying the lawyer, you say, what's wrong with this person? Wouldn't you have been better off if you just let it go? But when the Holy Ghost tells you, let it go, you say, ha, Holy Spirit, I'm born again. Oh, and I love your work in my life, but I'm not letting this money go. We'll die first before we let it go. Praise the Lord. Sometimes it's just wisdom to, let, to relinquish that hold you have on money. It's just wisdom. Praise Jesus. Say, Father, My focus is on you. Teach me to love you more. Teach me to find my identity in you. Teach me to make my life about you. Go ahead and pray that prayer. Just give it one minute. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.